What's up and welcome back to Broside Broadcast. My name's Derek. And my name is Blake. And you are listening to part two of our top 10 songs of 2022. We could have just named it our top 10 songs or top five songs of 2022, but go listen to the first part. Yes, if you're listening to this one first, go back. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to part one, then listen to part two. That's how those things work. And we were going to release these one week apart, but getting back into the schedule of editing things and also just scheduling things is a little bit out of schedule for us. So we're still kind of learning this again. Please be patient, but trust us, it's well worth your time. Life is busy and we're still, we're getting back into podcasting. It's also January. And it's January. Yes. So... Be patient with us. We're getting back into things. But we have a lot of very exciting episodes coming this year. Metal Nerds, the podcast, he's a good friend of ours, Sean. He makes a great show. Go listen to his stuff. He does reviews of movies, TV series. Like I loved his entire like review of The Mandalorian. And I can't wait for like that show to start back up so I can hear his thoughts on it. Yeah, the guy really knows his stuff, and I'm very excited to have him on the show. I feel like the episodes that he's going to be on are just going to be a blast. Right. We have him coming on Syncor Jeopardy, and I know a lot of people probably <laughs> just got excited because we've not done one of those in a long time. I'm scared. I'm scared about that because he's, he's, he's going to be really good at that. And then also Syncor Madness, and for those of you who don't remember what that was, it's basically like... March Madness, but for the scene. So we're talking about bands versus bands. And at the end, there's one band that's the winner. Those are really fun episodes to do. And I, I remember doing those, but I don't think they're still up on our, our Spotify. Right. That was something that got taken down. And there will be a few more episodes from the Poolside days being taken down as we just transition into fully becoming Broside Broadcast. If you listen to those episodes in the past, we appreciate it, but we're looking more forward to the future. Yeah, we condensed the episodes down to the episodes that we feel that are important for you to listen to. So go check those out and also just keep checking out for new episodes. And speaking of new episodes, we are doing our top five, the last top five, the actual right. top five, because last episode was 10 through six. This will be five down to one. So how hard was choosing your top five as far as like, I guess, in arrangement, mm -hmm. like what are any of well, them interchangeable? That's what it was. It wasn't hard okay. to choose the top five, but mm -hmm. I guess, you know, actually it was easier to keep my top five in place than it was to keep my 10 through six in place because those okay. kept moving around. My top three was, al was always my top three. My top five are pretty much all interchangeable, like for what each song is, because I feel like each of the songs are different in their own way. None of them could really be compared too much. They could all technically be number one for what they are. I see what you're saying because you know, looking at your top five, they're all like a different genre. Yeah. So they all, they all have Thankfully. like, right. So they all have like this number one spot for themselves, like the number yeah. ones of each genre, maybe, which right. I think is a pretty true top five. If you had a top five, that was all metalcore songs. 
that would just kind of sound the same to me. Yeah. I, I just, I can't imagine. There was like some, uh, some creator I watched, he did like a top albums of 2022. The majority of them were all metalcore songs. And I get it. He's a metalcore enthusiast. That's the, the genre and the type of music that he thrives in. But to me, like, that's just a little ear numbing. Eventually it becomes white noise. It's in the sea of sameness. It just, it's vast in the sense that it's different metalcore. It's different metalcore in a sense that they have different sounds and you can identify them differently, but it's just... A metalcore fan can. A metalcore fan can. Yeah. But some, that's the point. I guess someone who isn't can't really differentiate that. So what we're giving to the audience is just a little bit something diverse. And honestly, looking at your top five, it's in the same vein as kind of like mine. Yours is a little bit more similar, I, I think, but... Still, looking at your top five, I wouldn't say that any of them sound alike. Especially your top five. None of them sound alike. I think our top five is a true top five. It's what we, I guess, would expect from each other. Right. At, th- at this point in our friendship and doing the podcast. But So let's just get right into it and give these people 10 more songs that they can listen to if they're not familiar with these already. Which Absolutely. I think you probably are. but Hopefully. And if not, maybe you should check them out. Okay, so my number five track for 2022 is Made to Please by Spite. So you had some feelings, Derek, on on this song whenever you heard it for the first time. I did, and I was completely blown away because I've heard Spite before. You've put them on well, my workout playlist, and I liked it. Yeah. It was heavy, and then I heard this, and I did not know this band was even capable of this. That's out of my own ignorance of not really being familiar with the band. I showed it to you a couple of times. Uh, I'm pretty sure you knew that this was like one of my most anticipated albums of the year. I constantly listened to Spite and I'm not an angry person. It's just such angry music. It is very angry music. (laughs) It's so heavy. So if I were to show this to a non-metalhead, I'm sure that they would be kind of scared i guess it's pretty scary but there's other music in this genre that also have violent lyrics that i feel are just too much and this isn't i'm probably biased but this isn't (laughs) as violent as other metal songs i've heard no you're right i've heard a a few deathcore songs that were more violent in the lyrics i mean these are violent lyrics i'm guessing that you've checked them out yeah yeah i did check them out (laughs) i mean i i get it I, i think it's the appropriate lyrical content or what I would expect from the music that I'm hearing, but it's not over the top. Well, they're not cringy. Okay. It doesn't seem like it's hard, right? Like it's not like silly kind of like 2007 deathcore lyrics, which I think I've I've gone Let's not even talk about that era of metalcore (laughs) because that was just awful. There's not much uh, from that era that I listen to now that's uh, deathcore, but one of the things I like about Spite is 
and especially this song. I mean, I could have picked another song off of the album, but this is the first one I've heard off from the new album and the first one I got hooked on. But this is like the kind of music that I would want to play if I was playing hardcore, playing metalcore. It's the type of tempo and the guitar technicality factors are, are just something that I kind of admire. And it's what I would hope to play if I was going to be playing any type of heavy music. Now, this song opens with like a sound bit. It says, I'll make a deal. You can live as long as you don't blink. Eye for an eye. Yeah. What did you think the first time that you heard that? Because I hear that and I know this is about the like the shit's about to go down. And it does go down straight after the straight after that sound clip, the drums come in and it sounds terrifying. You know, there's well, the person in the sound clip sounds terrified themselves. Yeah. So that kind of sets the tone for the whole song and it just doesn't end there. This is basically like the angry, like the very angry version of Swan Song. Which Swan Song is pretty angry, so there's... Yeah, <laughs> but this is the really angry version. Right, you heard my top my top 10 song and it was angry. Wait till you hear it made to please. <laughs> I was really impressed with the blast beats in this, the guitar mm-hmm. tone, like everything had space. Like it didn't feel cluttered. You could understand what was going on. And the vocals also like really blew me away in this, like... There's some gutturals thrown in there that where I'm not familiar with the band, like I didn't see it coming. And then I heard it. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. Yeah, it's it's rather impressive because he actually does this live. There's a video on YouTube. I think it's the one of the uh, the venue is in Cleveland. I believe it's the foundation. And they always have very good live videos with good sound quality. And you can tell the guy just does this naturally. It's It's natural talent. So I knew what to expect vocally coming. It was going to be a brutal assault vocally. The guitars in this are great. There's a really heavy uh, chugging part. That's my favorite part. One of my favorite. It's not really a breakdown, but it, it's breakdown-esque yes. in the middle of the song, not structured in the way that you would expect breakdowns, which which is why I gravitate more to this kind of music or this kind of hardcore, deathcore, whatever you want to call it. I don't really care about genres, but... Not getting lost in the semantics. Not getting lost in the semantics. Thank you for saying. But it's it's a the structurally, like you said, it's a it's a it's a good song. It's not cluttered. I think that's a great point that you pulled up, and it just makes sense. And there's always points and times where I'm expecting the next part to come up, and it's a different part than what I expected. It's not the typical structure of a metalcore, hardcore song. The album that this song was on was their fourth studio album. And it looks like they have just under like 200,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. And I don't really understand that compared to their peers. Like they sound much better than their peers. I think this is a more natural hardcore sound. than It doesn't have that industrial beef to it. Yeah. It doesn't have that extra noise in that background. It's not flashy. It's That's what it is. It's not flashy. But like if you're familiar with, I guess, the specific sound of Spite, you know that it's high quality. It is because... It's you know, very these, niche. <laughs> yeah, it is very niche. Like we said, it was flashy. I don't like a flashiness with my metal too much because I like... Um, you know, we're Southern, you know, we like, yeah. you know, down and dirty. So this band isn't trying to market to you. They're focused on the music. 
they do that very well. And although this album was an album that I expected to be in my top albums, which we're not doing a top albums episode, but still in my mind, I have a top, I have like at least a top five albums of the year. It didn't make my top albums, but that's where the singles come in from albums. This is one of the best ones I've heard all year. It's been with me all year. And it's fun to listen to. And I threw this on my workout playlist. I would hope so. The first time I heard it, I wasn't like wild about it. But then when I listened to it again, I was like, oh, okay. So this is what this is. <laughs> right. I'm glad you came around to it because I've always wanted to have the conversation about it because I always put it up front like I like spite a lot and I don't know why. Which not putting them in the same category at all, but I get a little bit of chaos in their music the same way there's chaos in Every Time I Die. So okay. I feel like that's why you gravitate to this because there's some chaos in it anyways let's get to your number five so my number five song for 2022 was end the other side by fit for a king think i've said this in the last episode but you pick up the pieces on a top singles so we can talk about it right without me having to put the same song on the list so this song would have absolutely made the list if i could have placed it instead of putting wildfire by hidden in plain view on Mm -hmm. but i also want to put that song on my list because i want to talk about it and there's got to be someone who listens to our show that know that knows that song based on our demographic. Exactly, yeah. So I'll let that song stay in there so we can have the conversation about that song and then also have the conversation about your number five pick. And that's where it kind of helps to know your list beforehand and you know mine. Yeah. Because if the song's getting talked about either way, allow those other songs of, you mm-hmm. know, maybe someone's not familiar with Hidden Plain View, so... It works out to share that band, share that song so someone else can. But we do have one other song later in this episode that we share, but we'll get to Mm -hmm. that later. But I had mentioned in part one that some of my favorite songs this year were released by bands that were following up on a 2020 album. True. And there's an elephant in the room, or maybe there was two months ago when this album released, I'm just going to say it. This is leagues better than anything that was on the path. So Ryan Kirby, I just want to say thank you. You did listen to fans. He did, right. And that's very important for an artist. The way we met, you and I, was you It was because of Ryan Kirby. Right, which was strange because I was thinking like, well, this asshole has to make a comment about something. (laughs) Yeah, and then I was was being an asshole on Twitter and replied to one of Ryan Kirby's tweets. Got my attention. You're like, hey, man, this isn't the poolside way. And I was like, (laughs) wow. I did say that. That's awesome. I'm glad you remembered the comment that I made because I I didn't. I just saw poolside as... It was like a full like Taylor Swift moment. It's Mm me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. (laughs) <laughs> and that was the problem so. right well we fixed it because uh now we're best friends and doing the show right 
So it works out. Thanks, Ryan Kirby, for that as well. But we talked about this, and there was a contrast that we thought that maybe the path was the light side of two albums. And I remember you mentioning that, and I will say that in retrospect, with this album having come out, it makes the path not as, I guess, impactful. And I I don't mean that in a bad way. So band or fans of Fit for a King, I'm not taking anything away from the path. I'm just saying that releasing an album that seemed to do very well with fans after an album that wasn't received very well, it's like, okay, so you know what your fans like and you're okay with releasing that and not only releasing something that everyone likes, but I think is some of their best stuff that they've ever released. So it's like, you're still capable of this and you're doing it better than ever. It's it's being conscious about doing what you do. So in the writing process, you're starting to create the ideas for a new album. You know how you're going into it. it seems like the path was more of the selfish way of going about right. it. Like he did what he, they did what they wanted to do. And what other bands in the scene have taken that route of releasing something that fans weren't crazy about and being like, hmm, what if we listen to the fans? So I guess you're saying Whitechapel should do something differently? Them and several other bands, yes. Right. (laughs) But I can't say that the album the song was on would have been one of my favorites from the year. There was a few decisions on that album that were made that I wasn't very keen on. But I'm not going to get into those details here. We're just talking about this song. But if someone asked me what the best representation of Metalcore was in 2022, this would be the song that I would show them. Hands down. To someone who had never listened to Metalcore before, or it's like, in this year, what is the best representation of Metalcore? This album is it. Or this this song is it. Fit for a King, essentially is what I would go to if I were to show someone what metalcore was. And I hate this term, but I feel like Fit for a King is a household name. Like Mm -hmm. everyone in the scene is familiar with who Fit for a King is at this point. I remember thinking one day that Korn would never be a household name (laughs) until it was. Wow, yeah. That's when I realized everything changed. When was that for you? Well, that was the TRL days. You know, I was coming home from junior high watching TRL. Got That Life is on, is number two today. Yeah. I said Got That Life, but it's Got the Life. (laughs) But when it comes to this song, the riff in the intro is fast and reminds me a little bit of what got me into metalcore in the first place 15 years ago, which is As I Lay Dying. It's fun to listen to. It's fast. It makes you want to get in a circle pit or something. Right. It starts It starts off right away. Like, you know what you're getting with the rest of the song. And the drums are a major improvement over what we heard in the path. They just feel more natural. And there's nice fills between parts that show that there's some actual thought behind writing them. It's not just like a guitarist in there, like programming them or something. Because mm-hmm. that's why I didn't like in the path is that they just sounded unrealistic. So I don't know what exactly happened with the the band member change, but they definitely got a new drummer, which is Trey from Invent Animate, which explains the, the fills. And you're right, it is a vast improvement with the drumming. And it's not like you can tell it's the Invent Animate drummer because he does his job as a fit for a king drummer. Right. He's not trying to change his style. He's just improving the sound of fit for a king. 
So I don't know if the past drummer who did their who did the path if he just wasn't cutting it anymore or maybe that's just all he had or maybe no one ever talked about it but maybe the drums on the path were programmed and they were just figuring things out true who knows but who knows? i like uh, <laughs> these drums much better is he a permanent member of the band or is he kind of like a touring member or so i so i believe he is a permanent member of the band now because fi- because Invent Animate now has a different drummer, but he still writes the okay. drum parts for Invent Animate. He'll just not perform them because now he's making bank with fit for a king. All right, that makes sense, but which is which? Which is admirable, admirable because don't abandon what made you. Exactly. Yeah. First of all, so and he stays busy, and that's two uh, sources of income there. So I respect it. He's just a very good drummer, and I think also they are both from texas so there's probably a a circle there circle of interchangeable band members but it's nice to hear a metalcore song that's not about some petty problem or like self-loathing because this was about ryan kirby's wife from what i understand it we had gotten like a press release of this album with like the full breakdown and explanation of everything and it's been a few months since i've read the details but Mm -hmm. the lyrics in this song have depth to them and ryan wrote them in a way that he delivers a catchy melody for the chorus the emotion isn't only in the lyrics but you can feel it in the chord progression and the chorus and then even like the anxiety of stress that ryan was going through in the breakdown yeah like you can feel each can feel different it. part of the song mm-hmm. And I remember we were playing a game of pool and just talking about, well, maybe if they did the breakdown like this or that, but yeah, either way, like it's very like picky things. Yeah. You, uh, you were picking it apart a little bit. Uh, you wanted the scream to start or end at a different part. Right. I just wanted the, uh, breakdown to like hit one beat after I think. Very, very technical, very picky thing. Very technical and picky, but either way, like, I've been listening to that since it came out, and I was really impressed. That's one of the songs that kept playing on my Spotify, and it's, you don't skip it. The breakdown, I think that's one of the best breakdowns of the year. If I had to do, like, the top breakdowns, there was even some some talk on Twitter, God, Twitter, there's some talk on Twitter that people were the telling Ryan of the internet. Exactly. They were telling Ryan Kirby that it wasn't a breakdown. I have no comment. Yeah, that's that's it. Right. There's no comment needed there. But getting back to the lyrical content and the fact that we did get the press release, I feel that that press release was rather it was an important piece how they put the album in their perspective for us. Kind of made me feel differently about it. Made, made me want to listen to the lyrics and read the lyrics more. And I know that you and I had both talked about reading the lyrics and understanding the album in a different way. Right. Because when you get that context, like it really humanizes the music because I'm sure we've talked about this on the show before, but like when you're just listening to it on Spotify and you're just seeing like tweets from like these artists and stuff, like you're only getting like a digital relationship Because back in the day, we had to go buy a CD if we wanted to listen to music. And Mm -hmm. not to sound like, you know, a millennial boomer or anything here, but there is a bit more separation between you and the artist now in a certain sense. Like, we have more access to these artists, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you get a real connection. 
Right. You never would think about writing to your favorite artist, mailing a letter to them and then hoping they write you back. It's yeah. easy as a tw- it's easy as a tweet, but sometimes that exposure can be too much and it could ruin things for you. So choose who you follow responsibly. If you if you have no sense of separating the artist from the art, then don't follow the bands that you like. But I did like the lyrics, even though I don't have a wife in some critical condition in the hospital. He does convey a message of death is among us all the time. We're not invincible. Right. That's the lyrics in the song is death comes for us. And then it leads up. He says all. And that's what I was being picky about. (laughs) I would like just a little bit more pause or something. But yeah, like you don't really have to be in his situation or in his shoes to like see what he's trying to convey through the lyrics. Yeah, there is a certain vulnerability that I heard from from Ryan Kirby that I really appreciated. And I think it was the first time that I actually listened to Fit for a King in a way that I wanted to hear the lyrics as well. Mm -hmm. It wasn't preachy. It was almost the opposite in the way that. It was. It seemed like it was a natural conversation, right? Instead of he was coming outward a little bit instead of being inward. Yeah, the lyrics just they feel genuine. They come from a real place, and like I said, the emotion just really comes through in his melody. And whenever you can convey your emotions in notes in art, that's when you really feel it. He should definitely sing more. He should be the only one singing. But with that said, (laughs) I like your voice, Ryan. Just please do all the singing. With that said, what's your number four song for uh, 2022? So my number four pick for 2022 is Afterlife by Aphasia. This is a very unbiased pick. Just because I interviewed Ryan Worth does not mean I am an ultimate aphasia fan. Ultimate aphasia fan. I feel like that would be a badge, like if you're on Facebook and you like their page. (laughs) Yeah. And you comment on like everything. There are those people. Yeah. That's not my tag though. This song was much different than what was on their previous release. Absolutely. My thoughts on this song in short, is they kicked everything up and the production's better. The writing is even better. The vocals have much more to them. The song has so much identity to it because of the chorus, the instruments in the background. Ryan Worth has a way of writing very, very good guitar parts, but then also making sure that he is, because he is the head songwriter, he's making a complete idea. And I always trust him as an artist in that way. And that's why I like Aphasia. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. He's the main songwriter and Mm -hmm. he also does all the production. So I I believe they just started going into a studio. Okay. I know that their last album he did himself. Go listen to the Ryan Worth interview that I did, I think, two years ago. The quality of our podcast might be a little different, but check it out. But yeah, he does 
the production, but they started going to the studio, you can hear an improvement in the production. And one thing that I messaged to you the first time I heard this is that it sounds like For the Fallen Dreams from like 2009 mixed mm-hmm. with like We Came as Romans 2009 and rest in peace, Kyle Pavone. But it's nice to hear singing like that because it's so unique. And one of the parts about the song that I did not think that you would be into was the singing until you put it in that perspective. Because after you sent that to me, I started hearing it a lot more. Yeah. And I understand the influence because, there, of course, I know that Ryan listened to For the Fallen Dreams and We Came as Romans. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely that influence there. But it's just a banger of a song. And it's, a, it's one heavy song that I've listened to over and over again because there were so many elements to it that I just thoroughly enjoyed. There's a piano intro that kind of that starts the feel of the song. It just feels like a classic metalcore song, but like modernized to 2022 mm-hmm. standards. Right. It has a very polished edge to it that I just really enjoy. It has it, it evokes uh, emotion and feeling. It's about the song and the uh, the lyrics are about one of Ryan's friends who had passed away. So you know, I'm I'm very empathetic towards things. So right. Ryan is a friend of mine in, in the sense that we are in this these things that we do. But I, I feel for him about his loss, especially because I know him is what I'm saying. Right. So it kind of gave me a little connection to a song, even though I haven't really lost anyone recently. I still feel for him and I kind of ha- had more of an attachment to the song. It's a lot like the Fit for a King song is... Just that, you know, the lyrics are genuine Mm -hmm. and that comes across in the performance and you can really feel that. Absolutely. Aphasia has more songs coming out soon. I just saw that they were in the studio again and I had asked him if they were recording anything soon right after I heard Afterlife. Yeah. And he said he wasn't sure, but I knew he was full of shit. So (laughs) the next thing I'd see is him in the studio. Come on, Ryan. I know you're listening to this episode because I'm going to tag you in it. But that was my five number five pick. You heard it on the number sound clip. Number four pick. Number four pick. I can't count. It's it's fine. We're here for each other. I'm going to correct you or help you out with some words. It's like we're playing a basketball team. You know, if, exactly. I, throw, if I throw up a brick, you need to be there to assist me. Go Pelicans. <laughs> I finally got you into the NBA. Thank God. <laughs> to the point where I'm listening to pelicans podcast right after the games and you finally helped me find my western conference team because i needed a secondary team but i'm not going with another team in the east (laughs) we finally have a team yeah we're we're so excited about that especially during a saints losing season which we still have a chance to go to playoffs but i don't think that's gonna that's really gonna come to fruition so we'll keep watching the pelicans I was about to compare sports teams and stuff, but I know most of our demographic hate sports, so we'll cut it there. Right. They're not sure what sports are. But on Except that for note, Joe. Thank you. And also Lenny and Sydney. Oh, true. Yeah. Sorry about the Suns. Anyways, <laughs> your number four pick. My number four song for 2022 was Inertia, the single edit from Boston Manor. You go 
So from this point on, the remaining songs are songs that I was blown away by the first time I heard them, and I could have any of these on repeat all day long. It took me maybe a little bit longer for End by Fit for a King, but everything else from here was just instant the moment I heard it. But this song isn't crazy with instrumentals or vocals, but it's the simplicity between each part and the cohesion of each part that's so artistically put together in this song. That's what I got out of it. And I completely understand what you mean about your last three songs or first three songs, however you look at it, being songs that you can listen to no matter what. I'll tell you, first of all, dude, I I really didn't care for the song the first time I heard it. Yeah, but that's one of the, that's one of the first signs for myself that I know that I'm, it's probably gonna going to be a song that I know that I'm gonna like later. Yeah, because there's nothing I hated about it; it just didn't catch me. Right, and it was the spite song for you that the first time like I had heard it, like it didn't stand out. But the second time I went to go listen to it, right. completely different experience. So the experience for me around the second, third, or fourth time that I listened to it was more of an immersion because it's a song that I can appreciate because I I like I love songs that take me into a different mindset. Mm-hmm. It did have an it did have a 90s feel to it. There was like a guitar tone that had a 90s kind of vibe to it. But the bass line and I'm trying to think back to the song and I keep thinking how simple it actually is. Yeah. It's a very simple song, but like the way everything is put together just works so well. So what was your vibe towards this song? What kind of vibe did it give you? Because, you know, the vibe it gave me is kind of chill, but high up in the emotional rate. It's how emotional the song really is. It's a lot of the song is in the lyrics for me personally. It's hard to explain, but... To me, like this song feels like a classic Mm -hmm. and the way that the lyrics are somber and the instrumental just matches that tone perfectly. You know, you have some songs where the instrumental is the hero of the song. You have other songs where the vocals are carrying the weight of the song because maybe the instrumentals aren't that interesting. But this is a song where I feel like both the vocals and the instrumental performances are on the same page. The lyrics are somber, the instrumental is somber, and I know you didn't necessarily like hear it the first time, but I can keep listening to this song and get more of the emotion each time. I definitely agree with that because before we started recording tonight, I listened to it again, and right after I listened to it, I wanted to listen to it more because it made me feel more the more I listened to it. Yeah. And speaking of simplicity and where vocals or music or the instrumental becomes a hero, this song made me think of, and not because it sounds anything close to the band, but if you look at it for the songs they are, With or Without You by U2 and this Boston Manor song, it's the simplicity and the vocals that kind of carry it. But then the bass line is really good too. Whereas the U2 song... The tabs to that song guitar-wise are just so simple, but you have the biggest song, is my point. Such a big song for so little. And when you think back to, you had mentioned 90s music, 
that's what a lot of people really liked. It's not you have mm-hmm. all these complex technical things going on. It's that you can understand everything going on, but it's not basic in a way that, oh, that's easy to write because, like I said, there's the emotion, and that's something that you can't really manufacture. Mm-hmm. And if you do try to manufacture it, it's going to come across as obvious. Yeah, you can you can tell with this song especially because I've only listened to the first Boston Manor album and I really liked that album but you can tell that this band is doing genuinely what they want to do and if we were doing a top albums episode this would for sure I know it was like an EP mm-hmm. I don't know it was like seven songs okay. I think I always feel awkward mm-hmm. like with seven song EPs because when I think of an EP it's like five, five songs, songs. But when I think of an album, I think of 10 songs. So you could have thrown in two instrumentals maybe. Yeah. And then one more song. You could have gotten us to 10. Now, I will say like the EP version of the song is like two minutes longer. I think it's a six minute song. This one's like four. I did want to ask. It doesn't really add anything. So I'm glad that there's a single edit because if there was not this version, I don't think the song would have made it in my top 10 even with as much as I like it. So when was the last time you saw a radio radio edit in the genres of music that we listen to? It rarely happens. I'm glad that they were honest enough to be like, we want this to be on the radio. It's not a, mm-hmm. oh, we're changing our genre entirely to be on the radio. It's like, well, they made a single edit. They probably want to be played on the radio and that's okay. Yeah, because, I mean, a fan who likes Boston Manor, they could appreciate the longer version or just enjoy the shorter version. They gave them a choice. Musically, the bridge keeps the same pace as the rest of the song. There's no, like, tempo drop-off or anything. No. Which I thought it was smart to not slow things down anymore because it could have been difficult to bring things back up to finish the song. But they even threw in like a tasteful solo that leads right back into the final chorus and it just completes the whole picture. So it really does. That was that was the best touch. This is like what the second song I've had on my top 10 that has a solo. Well, that solo was actually the highlight of the song for me. Yeah, I can't pick out what tone that they're using, but it sounds familiar. And when I hear it, I'll let you know where I think it came from. But it's a it's a very distinct guitar tone. I don't think we've heard that tone before. I think this band's going to have longevity in their career because who else sounds like Boston Manor? Boston Manor sounds like Boston Manor. And that's the way I like it. This album and this song was my first like true exposure to the band. Like mm-hmm. I'd heard them here and there before this, but like this was my first time like really sitting down with them and they made it in my top. They would have been a top album and top song. So I'm a fan of Boston Manor. <laughs> that's what the, that's what a Boston Manor fan looks like. I never saw one before, but there he is. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am. There will be a picture on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I can see them touring with movements. Yes, that would you be know. awesome. So, you know, explaining that type of music. I think there's a movement, no pun <laughs> intended, but yes. A movement in Boston? <laughs> Watch your manners. I'm talking here. <laughs> I think there's a movement of bands that had a certain sound. They're evolving and 
they're becoming just great musicians learning how to write songs together as the bands they are like Boston Manor and Movements mm-hmm. I think that's a good tight genre that's coming up so Boston Manor Movements bands that I'm really looking uh that I have my focus on in the years to come but that's a show I would go to me too and my wife would want to go to that so because I'm she totally, likes movements yeah <laughs> so I'd be like I'm all on board so with that said what was your number three song for 2022 so my number three song for 2022 I almost want to say 2023 sometimes I'm trying to catch myself but it's sync dot wave by mood ring So I'll go out and say it. This is my favorite album of the year. If It's my number one album. I bought it on vinyl. I got a t-shirt. I supported them so that they can write more music. I went see them at a show. My girlfriend Kayla was pregnant. The bass was too much. I got to hear two songs and I had to bail. But I'm not going to hide it that, yes, it sounds like Deftones, and that's why I love it. Because you have Loathe that has Deftones elements, you have Thornhill that has that came out with heroin that has death tones elements, but then you have Mood Ring. And I think this is the best iteration of those three. Right. And you've made that point. Yes. So there is a wave of bands coming through that have death tones influence. And I get that. But to just be outright sounding like death tones, mm-hmm. I love it. There's so many death tones albums that have come out besides the album that came out in. 2020 i believe ohms i believe that was their best album that they had in years right and the ones before that didn't really do so great but you know i don't want to say that mood ring is living in the light of deftones that they sound good on their own but there is that influence and you also pointed out that they kind of sound like incubus just that like post grunge sound which i think works so well and what I like to call basically the modern term for like post grunge would just be alternative. Yeah. So if you've ever wondered what the term alternative means, just listen to this. It definitely is alternative. And I'm glad that you pointed that out because I wouldn't really put them as metalcore. Right. They do have heavy elements and I really do hope they keep up the heavy parts, but it's not, it's not the, the star of the show. The star of the show for Sync.Wave is they're just capturing an, a whole feeling. Right. And you also get that nostalgic hit of Deftones. So it sounds familiar. Right. But it also sounds new. So comparing them to like Loathe is that I think they take the uh, Deftones part from Loathe and use it really well because I think Loathe uses that Deftone sound and then they do a lot of heavy stuff that I don't think is really going to hold up over time very well. At least for me, it's not held up on going on three years now, which is crazy to say. Right. And then from Thornhill, their new album was good, but it was a little bit too much like Muse. Mm-hmm. 
It was very experimental. And then you have Mood Ring, which takes a little bit from everyone and like then some Incubus elements. And I'm not sure if I had mentioned to this to you before, but I get a little bit of Bring Me the Horizon, That's the Spirit vibes from them also. And also like in the production. Mm-hmm. So it's the best parts from a lot of different things that I think they have artistically put together and in a certain way also sounds unique and special to this band. So where you said that Loathe has the elements of Deftones and doesn't hold up, I feel like Mood Ring can hold up with what they have because the entire well, album is solid. Like loathe when they're just doing deftone stuff they sound great but then they throw in heavy stuff and i think it just ruins it so it's inconsistent whereas mood ring it's you know i threw this the album on that they released and it's a very consistent listen you get a little bit of everything throughout it's not monotonous so when they do those heavy things it's more appropriate i guess than what loathe does right because there's catchy choruses in their songs too, but focusing more on this song. There's more, ba- there's more balance. There's more balance, yeah. Yeah. There's a catchiness with the guitar riffs. They're very good. They kind of get you in, and the, the choruses are really good. Shoegazy out the ass, but just, yes. just really well-written songs. Kind of hard to think of them stepping it up from this point. I'm, I'm just very curious where they go after stargazer which is the album that they came out with yeah well i love the lyrical content it's very another sexual lyrical content in the top 10 list i guess that's the kind of year we've had of obviously i've had a child since so (laughs) there's been things on my mind i like the way he he puts the words honestly it's uh sync dot wave it seems a modern word to use and talk about being one with someone else being in that mindset of going through the motions in a sexual way with someone. I get that. I relate to that. I love that. And the song and the music doesn't take that away. It just, it feels like that's what you're listening to. And the first time I ever like heard them, I was like, oh, this band for sure has like 100K plus listeners a month on Spotify. (laughs) This band, like they're established. Then I went and looked at their monthly listeners. They're at like 30K. I'm like, yes, they are writing high quality music Mm -hmm. before demanding, oh, we're going to release one song every three months until people are just demanding us to release something. No, don't do that shit. Release (laughs) something high quality before people are paying attention. Give people something to pay attention to and people will. Because that's how we grew up with music. Yes. You know, there was no gimmick to it. That's how we want to discover bands. If you only work hard when other people are watching, what does that say about you? Because I don't (laughs) think it says much. I've never been that person. (laughs) Yeah. Off my soapbox. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. But yeah, there's... I could gush about Mood Ring, but I also hope to get the lead singer, Hunter, on the show. So... I know yes, he's listening. please come on the show. I'm going to be messaging you soon again, and we'll talk We'll talk about getting you on the show because I'm interested about your band. I like your band, and maybe Broside does too. But on that note, yes, we're going to move down to your number three, 
And that is Where We're Going by James and the Shame, a.k.a. Rhett McGoughlin <laughs> from Good Mythical Morning. I don't know where we're going, but I know I want you to go with me. Don't care much about the destination, as long as you're there. So I feel like my age is showing a little bit with this one. This is not one that would have been in my top in the previous years, I don't think. But is it our age or is it? I mean, we're fans, obviously. I think partially. And I think it's because of my place in life right now, because this song is a love song and a song about his spiritual journey with his wife. And I'm pretty sure this is actually the first love song that's ever made it into my top songs of the year. I love to hear that. So, again, a change in like my personal taste over mm-hmm. the last few years. And this is a nice change for me. When I, when I listened to this song by myself, because obviously this song didn't make my top 10, but the album absolutely did. But I see why it made your top 10 more than it would have mine because it's absolutely an honorable mention for me but you just got married and i see or hear the sentiment in the lyrics for you when i listen to it on your playlist yeah because when i'm in the car listening to it with my girlfriend there's definitely a feeling that the song evokes because it's about being right where you want to be with the right person right and where else do you want to go it just captures that idea perfectly and like when i hear this song this song didn't even play at my wedding but it's just a memory association because Mm -hmm. this album the uh, album the song was on came out like three weeks before my wedding you had listened to the album first Mm -hmm. and then you told me to listen to it and i threw it on i was blown away i think i was like meal prepping or something so i was fixing chicken or something that i could not like <laughs> be putting raw chicken hands on my earbuds or whatever to like change the song so i mm-hmm. threw this on and it was a full commitment i was like well yeah. if if i don't like it then you know when i wash my hands or something i'll turn it off but you kept it going this song came on and i loved it right away and this song could be seen as country but i think it breaks genre walls or at least what modern country walls there would be because this is an enjoyable listen and not only sounds good but makes you feel good too it's so pleasant it's so hard to call it country when it has different bluegrass elements i put it in the same realm as like johnny cash johnny cash yeah. yeah not jesse jesse cash I get confused. Yeah, that's era. <laughs> right. The a wrong the wrong era. So it's it's so not country. Okay, so James and the Shame, James is Rhett McLaughlin's middle name. The shame is his conflict with spirituality mm-hmm. and him detaching from his Christian beliefs. So he had shame. That's where the shame part came from. So in the album there's a lot of talk about that. His wife, Jessie, is also in the song. Which right, and I love that feature also. I love it, but the one point I want to make about it is they didn't make it a duet 
on the album. Of course, they're in the video together, mm-hmm. but it's not as prominent in the song itself. She doesn't come out and sing with him side by side. She's in the right. background. Right. It took me a few listens to actually pick up on that. That's what makes me appreciate the song a little more. It adds to the sentiment it's because she's in there and it's it's cute. It's like, who wouldn't want to do that? I like her part, but I, I'm really there to hear Rhett. Right. I really like his voice. And what's funny about this song is that, you know, I've listened to his and Link's podcast, Ear Biscuits, for a few years now. So everything that was in this album, I've heard bespoke and like conversation. In the conversation. <laughs> and then to hear that be turned into music mm-hmm. was like a whole new experience. Like I knew these things about him already, but to hear it be artistically turned mm-hmm. into music made it like a new experience. And to know that because I was, I'm an avid listener of Ear Biscuits as well to understand that this isn't just something he thought of and did in a month. Right. This has been in the process for years. Right. And as listeners, we didn't know that, but it's a treat to know that we were listening to things he was talking about, learning about his personal endeavors, and then hear it play back in a story form on an album that is a 10 out of 10. And this song being one of the highlights. It definitely is the highlight for me. Like the whole album is good, but this easily my favorite it hits, on it. it hits in the in the feels like i said you know this came out just a few weeks before my wedding i associate it like with that time in my mm-hmm. life when i hear the song i think about my wedding i think about you know the bachelor party hanging out mm-hmm. with my friends and everything so nothing yeah. but good memories our top songs this year there's a lot of memories attached to them Honestly, for me, this is really the only song that I can attach a memory to. Like, I like all of these songs, obviously, but there's not going to be a time where I can say, oh, I was at this place at this time Mm -hmm. with these people. This is the only song that I can think of that way. Well, I guess I take listening this year. I took listening to songs in a different approach where I was very attached Mm -hmm. to memories with all of these songs. I could tell you where I was, whatever. But I understand this one for you being the most significant. Yeah. Like I said, I put it in relation to myself, but I also, when I listen to it in terms of thinking about you and the playlist, I remember the wedding and think about you and Brandy. Did Brandy hear the song? Does she like it? Her taste is different than mine. (laughs) She's not there yet, but... okay. Give it she a would, few years and I, I she think would she'll get be it. there. She She's really into K-pop right now. Hey, I just said yesterday that I wish I was into K-pop a little more because it, it just looks so fun and it sounds catchy. Yeah. 2023, Blake gets into <laughs> K-pop. I'm going to try it out. You heard it here. We'll see where <laughs> we are this time next year. Yeah. Top 10 singles next uh, at the end of 2023 will be all K-pop. All right, so what's your number two for 2022? Derek, they made the list again. I know who they are, but the listener doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I I I have to say the name. Uh, It's Coffin by Holding Absinthe.
They did it again. Just not number one this year. Just not number one this year. Music has been a journey for me this year. Let me say that over. I think music took the journey with me this year. So saying that, there's just been a lot of attachment with emotions, feelings, and not so much trying to pick apart songs technically. It's songs that just kind of found me this year. I totally agree with that. So lyrically, I couldn't pick this apart so much to say that, to see what the singer was going through, but this song is complete goosebumps for me. Every time I listen to it, I could, I, I cried at your wedding. We all know I can get sensitive sometimes. <laughs> it's cool though, but I like being in touch with myself in, in those kind of situations because I want to think about things like that. I want to be, I'm okay with being sensitive. I'm okay with being in touch with those kind of things. So when he's talking about coming out of a dark place and then going into something better, if that's not what it is that he wrote about, that's what I got out of it. Right. And this year was all about me being a better person, coming out of dark places and finding love and being happy. And I feel like this is a very... I've been down and I'm coming up kind of song because the chorus is just as huge as the chorus they had last year. Which last year it was uh, in circles. In circles. Huge chorus. So there's something that this band does for me once a year. (laughs) Hopefully in 2023 they got me. But how did you feel about the song? Because before we got on, you, you said that it didn't really hit you until you've listened to it again, just like I did the Boston Manor song. Right. So I feel like, and maybe this is a hot take, but I think I like this more than in circles. It's not like as big production wise, I guess, but this is something that I feel like I could return to more often, like probably on like a daily basis. Probably it's an easy listen, but it's not like a super casual listen, if that makes sense. Like, this doesn't get lost if you're, like, putting it on mm-hmm. a playlist. Like, this still holds its own and stands out. Because those vocals are amazing. They're very good. Just from my opinion, where this band came from, like, playing heavy stuff to playing this, I am so glad that they came to this. I could say that as well. It it also makes me think, where did they find... How did they find out that this is what their sound was, someone had to let them know that this was the right direction to go. I mean, this is on an EP with Alpha Wolf. Right. And I've not listened to that either because I'll be honest, I'm not a huge Alpha Wolf fan. So like (laughs) it kind of turned me off from it Mm -hmm. at first. So it's because you put this on here that like I listened to uh, Coffin, but that's just my own bias. When I heard that they were doing a split with Alpha Wolf, I knew that they were going to do songs together and feature, but I didn't know that they were going to do a better song than In Circles. And I'm glad that you said that because before we did the show tonight, I, again, I also thought this song could be better than In Circles, but you just, you just proved it to me Yeah, that what I was thinking was right because on a daily basis... This is much more of an easier listen. Yeah. It's not as big, but it has the same amount or even more feeling, but more relevance to me and my life at this point. 
See, the way that I've kind of started looking at music, and this is going to make it sound like I'm super analytical and think about these things all the time, which I don't. <laughs> Big surprise. But, <laughs> but I look at my own like listening stats and everything for music, and I've started realizing that some songs have a certain cap. Like you can only listen to a song so many times, and then yeah. you are satiated by that song. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it gets to a point to where you're like, I've heard the song for what I need to hear it. So that's a great point. How many times can I listen to the song? And whenever I say, well, this song came on shuffle, it's a no skipper. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it has no cap. So when it comes to deciding ultimate, the ultimate factors of what places this song on a top 10 singles list and can it sustain that? I know that wildfire seemed questionable to you at first. It kind of seemed like, you know, it's not something you go to or it's kind of my niche music, but it has that sustainability. Well, it's also in the realm of your taste Mm -hmm. and it's something that I can enjoy also. But like if we were to compare in circles to coffin, Mm -hmm. I think in like a year span, I would put in circles like 40 plays in the year. So that's like roughly like one play every 10 days or something like that. My math is probably way off. Well, what, 40 plays for one song is a lot, you know, R- because right. we'll get into our wrapped episode next week. But my number one song was played 47 times. So I would like to see what song was played 46 times. But for like Coffin, I could see like, you know, listening to it twice as much, if not more, just because... For in circles, it's slower paced and you have to be in a certain mood, I think, Mm -hmm. to go to that song. Whereas this is just, again, it's a little bit more upbeat, easier to listen to, brings those consistent vocals, brings the consistent instrumental. It's what you know from holding absence and it shows that they are able to build on what they did last time. And you made the point there is... You have to be in a certain mood for in circles, mm-hmm. but Coffin sets the mood. Yes. It's a song that I would, that I do sometimes start the day with. And much like last year, in circles became like what I was listening to for a while, the first of 2022. That's how Coffin's going to be for 2023 <laughs> because yeah. it's not been in my playlist. So mm-hmm. now it becomes a year from the previous year that now I get to catch up on. Which I think we all enjoy that. It's like, okay, we're in this new year. What did I just miss out on? Because Mm -hmm. everyone's talking about their top stuff. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, you can always depend on me to uh, find the right Holding Absence song for you. So like we said, Holding Absence, 2023, we expect something. That's right. That was my next note on that. My number two song of 2022 was Severance by the band Alt. So apparently there's two bands called Alt. I got confused. (laughs) There is an ALT period, and then there's this band, but this Alt is a Swedish 
progressive metalcore band. And this band is fairly new. They only have a 2020 EP, and then they had an EP that released in 2022. And I found the song thanks to a guitar playthrough Instagram account that popped up in my suggested on Instagram one day. You know, I found bands on that too, and it's surprising that it's a band that I actually will go check out and actually mm-hmm. like. So Instagram has, I found Kwansu, which is a band that I like from Instagram recommendations. Mm-hmm. So Instagram's winning on that front. Especially like if you have music that is worthy of like a guitar playthrough or something and like the uh, Instagram account mm, has yeah. like good video production, like I'll probably watch it because this guy does like a lot of genty stuff and like I really like that sound. So like I was just watching his stuff and everything and it finally got to Severance by Alt and I was like, wow, that's a lot of fun to listen to and I was also kind of looking for like new workout music. So Mm -hmm. I checked the uh, song out and the best way I know how to explain this music is Nolan core. Nolan core. At least this song. Yeah. Christopher Nolan. Yeah. The director of the dark Knight, inception, a bunch of cinematic movies. You were talking about not having too much attachment to your songs emotionally or like, or knowing where you were when you listened to it. I remember being in the the groomsmen uh, okay yeah this played right before we walked out for the ceremony yeah. we were trying to get our energy high yeah <laughs> and it worked i i do remember that but yes there's the air hockey table there's like these nice leather couches and we did a dab of phantom first bottle first batch that's right and that was the only time that sauce was used because we ended lost up getting lost. <laughs> no, no, we found it again when we had the um, the dinner and we passed well, it down well, the table. Well, I didn't get that because I had to oh. go do wedding stuff. Oh, right. Well, we did. Yeah. And then it was lost. <laughs> well, at least you all got to enjoy it. Right. There will be at least about a month or two of wedding talk until it's all out of our system. Right. There's a couple memories still attached to stuff like the alt song that we're talking about. So I have a memory to it. And that's that. So when I listened to it, it reminded me of being in in that moment and I appreciated it. But there's a clean guitar in the intro that's essentially, it sets a theme. And when you watch a Christopher Nolan film, it typically has a theme throughout the movie that plays. And that's what is established in the intro of this song. So that's, it took me to that like imagery right away. Mm -hmm. And it's cinematic, it's dramatic, and there's a lot of emotion to it. And this is a song that it doesn't have a music video, but I think it really needs one as long as it's done right. Which would change my perspective or maybe perception of the song because it's so cinematic in a way that it helped me create a, my own music video in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like the artwork was enough to set the stage for the visuals I can create in my own mind while listening to it because you kind of can't escape that it's going to help create a visual. Exactly. And if someone asked me what the perfect guitar tone for metal was, it would be the guitar tone in this song. It's thick, Mm -hmm. it's mean, and it's appropriate. It's not overly distorted, which means it sits well in the mix. 
So this song does a lot. It has a theme that's cinematic. And while there's no visual thing that we can really attach to it from the band, like you said, you can think of it in your own way. Like we've had this conversation before about star set and how it's cinematic Mm -hmm. also. And like, I remember the first like three months of listening to the first two albums I was just at work listening to it and basically like creating this movie in my head mm-hmm. of what I thought it would look like. So that's a fun aspect to have as a band, not even knowing if that's their intention, but it seems like it would be. I'd, I've only listened to the EP once, which is another EP. Mm-hmm. I think five songs on that one. Five songs, yes. A proper EP. I'll be honest. I didn't really look at the lyrics too much just because... You know, after so many years of listening to this music, sometimes I just like the mm-hmm. screamy scream in in the stuff. <laughs> I don't the care screams. what they're saying. It's like, how can you understand what they're saying? I Sometimes I don't care. Right. <laughs> That's a good question that people ask when they find out what music you listen to. They call it the rah-rah or yeah. the cookie monster music. And I always say there's more to it. Mm-hmm. I, I understand. I would never, I'm not going to push it on someone. But they don't, there's some people who just won't, won't ever understand why you listen to it, but they don't have to. It's fine. As long as we understand. And no, we don't have to know all the lyrics. When I listen to Darko, Darko US, yeah, I don't know the lyrics. <laughs> it, it's almost impossible to follow Tom Barber's lyrics. It, it's can't. that Dr. Pepper <laughs> guzzling or gurgling Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I'll never not laugh at that. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I I remember the lyrics. I remember the vocals to the song and they're very decent metalcore screaming vocals. Now, I will say there's like no singing in this, but there is what I interpret to be a chorus. Mm-hmm. And there's like, I guess like my Karanika mid screams. It doesn't sound like Sam Carter. Well, to me, it sounds like my Karanika. In metalcore, there's... A scream singing, and it can sound like Chester Bennington, which I guess people call it Sam Carter now, or I don't know, I, I guess there's a way to just not do that, and that sound yeah. like Mike Karenica, which I can hear that now, because I remember the part you're talking about. And there's like even some like speaking, it's more like kind of like a whisper kind of thing going on. It's an element where they're keeping the dark factor in the song, yes. I guess. They're keeping that that gloom and doom to it. So right. by putting that in, it helps create again, that full experience, that cinematic experience. So maybe it is intentional. And just like humans gum, I had not even looked at the lyrics for this song until, you know, I came to write some notes about it. But from what I understand in the lyrics, it talks about um, the seed that was sowed. And there is a song earlier in the EP called The Seed. So I'm guessing that this is more of a conceptual. Yeah. Yeah. That was going to be my next question because I haven't listened to them as much as you have. But I guess the best thing you can do with an EP as a band is make that EP conceptual. Now, where this band is on the smaller side, which... They are growing, but they only have 26,000 monthly listeners. Blows my mind. They deserve way more. 
but they were recently signed to Century and Media Records, which is the same record label as Lorna Shore. So that's really good for them. And again, you know, they are releasing this very well produced music before having like 100K listeners or something. So when this band blows up, I will say I'm glad I got on this band early. Absolutely. That's the great thing about having bands with less listeners. I feel like the relationship is a little more personal. And they post on their Instagram story of like them playing like these small venues and stuff. And I wish I could go to Sweden so I could watch it. But hopefully they come to America <laughs> sometime so I can see them. Well, they'll make their rounds. I think they're creating big enough noise. Like I was saying, you know, the vocals have a nice range of mid and low screams that they utilize very well throughout the song, and they never get monotonous, and the breakdown isn't brutal, but the way that the song leads up to it, and the theme from the intro returns, the rhythm hits just super heavy, and I do think that it's the heaviest breakdown that made my top 10. The Nolan core really... <laughs> dials it up on that yes. part that's when i heard it the most and there's a solo in the song also so three of my 10 songs had a solo and it, it's very tasteful it's nothing crazy but it's a lot of fun to listen to will solo replace the breakdown in 2023 well it's three out of 10 songs so <laughs> i guess we'll find out but let's, let's find out something else the uh, next song coming up, I think, is somewhat indicative of that, maybe. I think so, too. And I think we're going to have to go about this a different way. Because our number one is the same number one pick. Our number one pick, I'll let you say it, Blake, is Riptide by Beartooth. I'm down explaining So you're a big Beartooth fan. Yes. I am not. Which makes this even more surprising because I didn't even know you were listening to this throughout the year. So that's what the conversation is. And I didn't pick this song because Beartooth is Derek's favorite band. I'm going to pick a song, this song, because I know he likes it. This is our first time actually talking about the song. Probably our first time. Yeah, it like, is. And at least meaningfully. Yeah. And at least... Us talking about Beartooth this is like our first actual Beartooth conversation. Yeah. So, yeah, I picked this song because it was undeniably just not only my favorite song, but I think the best song from 2022. I 100% agree because of not only the way that the song sounds, but what the song means for Caleb mm -hmm. Shomo and for Beartooth. And what the song means for... The music scene. I think yes. that he is making a statement. A statement that needs to be made. And it's also in the lyrics. You mm -hmm. know, I, I'll kind of skip ahead just real quick. But, you know, he talks about not romanticizing depression. Yes, that's the main part. 
you know, I had mentioned on the uh, Fit for a King song, you know, I appreciate that it wasn't about something generic or like self-loathing. And I would say, you know, there's that, but I really didn't have that much like metalcore on, you know, my top 10 of the year. And I don't even call Beartooth metalcore. This is rock music. Yeah, this is rock music. It says heavy rock. And I don't know who I'm saying this to right now, but, you know, <laughs> if you want to poke fun and jab and say, oh, this is dad rock, it's like, well, maybe it is, but it's also a lot of fun to listen to. So maybe I like dad rock and that's okay. If Riptide is dad rock, count me in. Yeah, count me in because this is catchy. It's fun to listen to. It talks about self-improvement. Mm-hmm. Tell me what's wrong with that. See, I oh, couldn't. Oh, no. Music is fun <laughs> to listen to. Can't listen to that. For me to say that this course is better than Coffin or better than any of other course that I had on both of our lists is huge. Again, I don't know who I'm saying this to right now, but <laughs> this isn't your 2013 Beartooth. That was 10 years ago. This is 2023 yeah. now. See, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> See, I can and go into... Yeah, I saw Beartooth live last year with Silverstein, yeah. Devil Wars Prada. I think that may have been the switch that flipped because once you saw them. And then Riptide came right after. Mm-hmm. I got it, but it was in such a different light because yes. I've never seen Beartooth before. I never got into their other albums before, but this was a situation that I'm not typically in where I catch on to a band that's been around and start liking them when they make their change, if this is a change. I definitely would say it's a change because the song talks about no longer romanticizing depression. And I think it was either on Caleb's Instagram story. Yeah, it had to be on that, that he had talked about. He had written his first happy song ever. And that's wild to think. Mm -hmm. But I, I see this song as like a message to be like, this is what I'm going to talk about. And I don't think that he would go back on that. Well, it's more than a message to Beartooth fans. It's a message, I think, generally to the scene where I feel like he's saying he's having this revelation with himself, writing the happy song. But it just really, I feel, changes how we think about music that's been in the past that isn't depressing or that is right. depressing and if you really think about it how much do these lyrics and everything influence us because i know that for myself you know i've romanticized my own depression at some point i absolutely did and i definitely agree and i used to and it's it's on pot it's on bro side ex pull side episodes that i've admitted to liking depressing songs and yeah being depressed and that's fine because there's like this endorphin rush from filling the pain like yeah. it's it's all a chemical reaction i'm okay with listening to depressing music when i'm depressed and it making me feel like someone's there with me mm -hmm. but there's a climbing out of it and wanting to have something there taking your hand and pulling you out with you and some songs like this just come along at the right time and even on the last album, we started seeing a more positive turn in Beartooth lyrics. And there was this elect 
group of people who hated that album. And I think some of that is people who are still in a depressed state that don't like some seeing someone that they follow crawl out of it themselves because misery loves company. Right. So that's counterproductive to me. Make the journey with the artist that you like. Maybe hear his message. Yeah, because like me and Caleb are a similar age. So I've always kind of attached some of my own feelings in Beartooth music. Right. So it's safe to say that growing up and being the same age as someone else, someone who you listen to, maybe going through the same motions at the same age. Mm-hmm. And if he would have put out another album with negative, depressing lyrics, it's not something you can relate to at this point. Exactly. And the lyrics in the song say, full of excuses for way too long. That's just a perfect example that sometimes there's more comfort in staying low because it's what you know. Mm -hmm. And that's more comfortable than taking steps to feeling better and improving yourself. You see, that's the part that got me the most. Mm -hmm. It's And it's in like this very happy course. Yeah, yeah. And when that part comes on, why is this a song? Why is this a hard metal whatever song that makes me want to dance it definitely is i know what i mean well if you You also watch the music video have you watched the music video i did well i put it on the playlist that we had before the groomsmen walked out okay yes but like Mm -hmm. it's a great video i definitely think he wrote that wrote the song that way intentionally and that's something about Mm -hmm. caleb is that this isn't just like basic rock music this isn't nickelback okay (laughs) like he's fully aware of what he's doing from start to finish and that's something that makes him that makes beartooth different because if beartooth just followed the trends of metalcore beartooth would be dead by now no they're not they're absolutely not and i can see beartooth playing stadiums years from now yes it's especially continuing to write music like this like this is a this is a classic for me. And there's also lyrics that say don't want to sing another hopeless song and I hope that yeah. the next Bear Tooth album is everything that, that this song puts on display because mm-hmm. this is catchy Bear Tooth at its finest and even the breakdown is so fun to listen to like It's so loud. <laughs> do you hear the woo that he puts in there? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I think I did it right. <laughs> yeah. It's right before the breakdown. How could he be mad at this song? If you are mad at this song, you need to reevaluate yourself. You have too much aggression. Yeah. And it's disgusting. <laughs> did I do that right? It makes me sick. <laughs> Speaking of sick, retro yeah. review, 10 year anniversary. That's what we're doing. So we have retro reviews coming back to, well, bro side, where we're going to start reviewing albums from 2013 so what we need you to do is follow our new bro side broadcast instagram account and let us know your favorite ep- not favorite episode but your favorite album from 2013 because there was a lot of bangers right we did bring the horizon some paternal back in 2020 mm-hmm. no longer uploaded i think but that's not Maybe one we'll i would revisit. want to return to anyway uh no a lot of people love that album. I, mm, I'm i okay on it. But there's also <laughs> 818 by Devil Wears Prada. 
One of my favorite Prada albums. Yes. And uh, our friend Lenny just tweeted about that the other day. Will they acknowledge it? I don't yes. think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was Chris Ruby's last album. So probably not. So a lot of episodes coming out this year. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, those included Syncore Jeopardy coming back, like we said, if you listen to the first episode. Syncore Madness. We will have guests, like we said, Sean from Metalcore Nerds. So a lot, a lot to look forward to for 2023 Broside. But for Riptide by Beartooth, I hope that this sets an example in this genre that things don't always have to be a war of who feels the worst. Because would you agree it seems like these bands are just going back and forth? It's like... That's the best way to put it. I feel awful. No, I feel even worse than you do. And it's been this thing for the past decade. Well, because the sadness movement is kind of marketed right now. Like, why don't you come to a show and cry with me when I sing this song? Yeah. I get that, but I don't. It's just, it's silly. Like you said, the war of who's more depressed. Like, it, we don't have to be at war with it. We understand that sometimes the music that we listen to can be depressing because we're using it as an outlet to release those things in a positive way but we don't have to compete with and market things just being sad so this is the complete opposite of that and that's why i like the contradiction of it because like you said it's making that statement that nothing has to be that way anymore so it almost makes everything else on the opposite side of it looks even sillier yeah because this is someone that's being mature. And I know that sometimes depression is just something you can't defeat. And I'm not being insensitive towards any of those things. I've been there. But let people be happy when they want to be happy. Yeah. And, so, and, and it's okay to celebrate with them. If you want to listen to sad music, there's plenty of sad music out there. You don't need Beartooth or you don't need Caleb Shomo to hate himself for <laughs> you to feel better. I'm just so happy for the guy. <laughs> You know, so so am I, right? And I'm I'm grateful that I finally am a fan of Beartooth. We need to go to a Beartooth show. That, oh man! So yeah. like, Brandy isn't super into this music anymore. She really was, mm-hmm. you know, when we first got together, my wife. But like, Beartooth is a band I think she has like a soft spot for, and it's because of their live show is just so fun. There's so much energy. Super fun. I don't think anyone in the scene puts as much into their live performance as what Caleb Shomo does. It's very impressive. It's very professional and the sets are really good. Light show, the energy, the band's well put together. And they have a different color for every album. And I love that personally. (laughs) I love the teal color that they went with for Riptide. I got the hoodie for Christmas. I don't think I showed you, but... No, you didn't. We didn't even talk about what we got for Christmas. Yeah. I want to tell you my best gift right now. Okay. I got a bidet. (laughs) I'm not surprised that that was your favorite gift. (laughs) Right? And it's like a really like good one, not like a Amazon pick. It's like something you have to go out to buy. Mm -hmm. I have not put it together yet. That part's kind of intimidating, but I'll get to it. What was yours? One of my favorite gifts was Nugget Honey from Heatnest. Oh, yeah. It's right like on. spicy honey. It is amazing on pizza. 
But in regards to Riptide by Beartooth, instrumentally, it's not the most impressive, but it's not supposed to be. This is Beartooth, it's not metalcore, it's essentially modern rock, and that's okay. If you don't like it, that's okay. We're not all meant to like everything. I couldn't agree with you more. It's definitely a rock song. It's They're going in the right direction. I'm happy to hear more for them, from them. And if you want to listen to music about someone being miserable because you want company, like I said, there's plenty of other music out there for that. But let Beartooth be happy. Let their fans like it if the fans like it. I've not seen any Beartooth fans speak against it. So if you don't like it, you're probably just not a Beartooth fan. But you can be. You can be. Just have fun listening to this. The last thing I'll say about the song is it's in the second verse. He says, I'm so ashamed of my vicious problems. The first time I heard it, I thought he said, I'm so ashamed of my bitches problems. (laughs) (laughs) That's an Attila song. Yeah. (laughs) Wrong band. But I think that perfectly ties up this year's top 10 songs of 2022. Yeah, it for sure does. And... Just off the top of your head, did you have any honorable mentions? Not off the top of my head. I had, I think, three other songs in my favorites of 2022 playlist. Mm -hmm. None that I can really think of right away. What about you? I actually did. Mayday Parade had a song called Thunder. That was great. Okay. Dayseeker Crying While You're Dancing is definitely a great song. I can't help but like that one. And Miracle by A Day to Remember almost made the list. I think I heard each of those like one time. Well, worth the second listen, especially <laughs> Mayday Parade Thunder. It's a, it's a great song. I really like that one. My guess is that I'll like that one the best, but Probably. I'll let you know. All right. We'll get back to it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us today and listening to our uh, top five songs of 2022. I really hope you listen to part one before this. If not, then I guess you're in for a treat. And uh, you've got some things spoiled for you, but... More importantly, this is just our opinion on our songs, our our experiences. If you've heard some of the samples from these songs and you liked, that, that you liked, and you enjoyed the conversation that we had about the songs, go ahead and check them out. Form your own opinion. That's okay. Dance to Riptide. I'm gonna do it. I don't know how, but maybe in the same fashion as Caleb with just watch the, the uh, yeah open. just watch the music video get you a does. blue raincoat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. Twenty twenty three is going to be awesome. I cannot wait for this Beartooth album. Right on. I can't wait till Broside kicks it in the gear with all these episodes. Yes, so much <laughs> good things coming your all's way. Thank you again for listening. With that said, my name's Derek. And I've been Blake. And you'll hear us next Monday. Right on.